so much for that. This morning, Reese. This morning, if you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 9. As we look there in Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to uh, start a message that's actually going to be, uh, we'll end it next week. It's going to be a two-part series in this sermon. I know usually I just say that I don't have enough time to finish this text today, but uh, this time I'm actually doing something about it. So we're going to start it this week, and then we'll finish it up next week. So I pray that you'll be able to be with us for both of them. Of course, if not, you can't always... Uh, catch up on the podcast or we can make you recordings, CD recordings of the messages. But this morning, the reason, as we look in Isaiah chapter 9, which is one of the more familiar Christmas texts, I think, for most of us, we've heard this, we'll, you'll recognize a lot of things in chapter 9 as we start seeing the names of, of the, the Christ that will be born as Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and we know that part and we've heard that before. But as we look at chapter 9, one thing that really brings to light and really helps us understand chapter 9, this is going to blow your mind, is chapter 8. Okay, If you know chapter 8, it's amazing how that works, isn't it? If you know chapter 8 and what we see in chapter 8, then chapter 9 becomes even more outstanding, I think, for many of us. And so today what we're really going to do is look at the end of chapter 8 and the first few verses of chapter 9, and then next week we'll get into the familiar portion of chapter 9. So really have your listening caps on. Are y'all done this morning? Are y'all finished? Y'all ready to go home? Y'all got just a little bit longer? Just a little bit? Okay, just a little bit longer. If y'all would stick with me a little bit longer, we'll be done this morning. But I really want you to see... In chapter 8, what Isaiah is talking about as he's prophesying and telling about things that are going to happen is he's talking about the, the Assyrian invasion of Israel. Now, some of you are more familiar with that than others are, but for what we need to know this morning, we're just going to stick with the very basics. You had Assyria, which was another country that was uh, to the north of Israel for the most part, and they came in and they took over Israel. Uh, they came in and they conquered and they were stronger and they were bigger and they were more prepared and they took over Israel. And so in chapter 8, Isaiah is prophesying about the Assyrian invasion. He's prophesying about this country coming in and what happens is when they come in, of course, you've seen this sort of thing, we understand this from world history, that when one nation takes over another nation, that then they are the rulers of the nation they've conquered. The nation that is conquered in this text, Israel, then has to be slaves to them. They have to do whatever they say. Israel no longer uh, gets to be an independent nation. They don't get to elect their own leaders. They don't get to govern and rule them on their own selves. All of these things happen. And if you can imagine for just a moment, that's a terrible situation to be in. To be conquered by someone else, they're ruling you. They're telling you what to do. You have to follow their rules, their laws. They don't care about you. Right? You're a slave to them. You're a conquered people. You're not some sovereign citizen. And that's the, the situation that Israel's facing here. This is what they're looking at. When we look in chapter 8, that's what they're dealing with. It says in the latter verses of chapter 8, uh, after this invasion, after this conquering, it says that they would pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. Now, 
one thing I think that we can all identify with is that when things are bad, what is something that can make bad situations even worse? Being what? Hungry, right? Don't y'all agree with that? Right, what can make a bad sermon worse? Being hungry, right? That's why we try not to go past 12 o'clock no matter what church you go to because a bad sermon's worse when you're hungry. What can make a bad long road trip even worse? Being hungry. And so here we see for these people that, that they were hungry and they were greatly distressed and they were worried. And have any of y'all ever been hangry before? Y'all know that term? Some of y'all know hangry. Some, so it's hungry and angry. Whenever you get so hungry that you become angry. And we see that in this text. We see that the people here are hangry. Look in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 21 and 22. It says, They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged. You see that? Hangry. They're hungry and they become angry. But look what it leads them to do. And they will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. That's our setting for today. You have a group of people that are being conquered by somebody else that are no, no longer in control of their own lives, that are no longer making their own decisions. They don't even have enough food to eat. There was, there was, I know it says hungry here, but this is really hungry. There was a food sh shortage for this time, and the Assyrians didn't care to give a large portion of the food that they had to the Israelites, and it was a bad, bad situation. And as it says here specifically that they were greatly distressed. They are captive, and they are broken. They are depressed, and they are hungry. When they look around, they see distress, and they see anguish. And it says a term that I think some of you can probably identify with today. It says that they were thrust into thick darkness. Darkness is used twice in verse 22. It says that there was distress and darkness, and that they were thrust, or that they would be thrust into a thick darkness darkness and some of you this morning have been in that place before now I will say up front in this text because I'm not going through all of chapter 8 but this is by their own doing they brought this on to themselves this is discipline from God this is uh, this is God punishing them because of turning from him because of not having faith in him because of not following him and some of you have been in similar situations you've been in a jail cell you have been uh, in a emergency room you've been somewhere and you were there because of your own doing but I'm also reminded this morning that that's not the only time that we find ourselves in this position and you can see it all throughout the Bible you look at Joseph in the book of Genesis with what his brothers do throwing him into a pit and selling him into slavery and thing after thing after thing that happens not because of his own doing and we look at Job and we see the trials that Job endured and the things that he went through not because of his own doing. And we're told in James about tests and trials that will come in our life. So sometimes we're in this place of thick darkness. We're in this place of distress. We're in this place of, of being just in a, a perpetual state of gloom. Sometimes because of our own doing, sometimes not. But it doesn't 
make it any less real. If the situation in your life seems like you are in a hopeless place, it doesn't matter if you got there on your own or if you got there because of circumstances that you couldn't handle. You're still there. And the darkness is still real. And the hardships are still hard to deal with. And this morning as we approach this text, I want to... I want to recognize, and really what I want you to do is to recognize, that there are probably three groups of people listening to this this morning in here. At least three groups, I'll say. Probably more. Some of you are in between some of these places. But I want to mention this. I don't always do this, but I want to mention it up front because I want you to be aware of who you might be as you look at and as you listen to this text this morning. I know that there's at least one group of people here this morning, some of you that you can identify with the Israelites of chapter 8 in Isaiah right now. In your life, you can identify with this. You hear these things, you hear about the darkness and the distress and the gloom and the anguish and, and being mad at God and being in a, a place that seems like you're in thick darkness and you right now as you sit here this morning feel like that's you. Either because you've just come through Christmas and you're going to New Year's but you're doing it alone because you've lost somebody that meant a lot to you or because you've had somebody that you love that has left you and you feel like this just isn't the way that things should be. Or maybe some of you because you're stuck in some addiction or you're stuck in some sort of lie and every day when you wake up you're scared of what you're going to do on this day and you feel like every day is what they're dealing with right here. Like you're not in control. Like you can't get back to where you need to be. And some of you here this morning are in that place right now. Some of you are dealing with that this very morning. And the good news is that what you're going to see in chapter 9, I pray, is going to be exciting to you. And it's going to bring you hope. But there's another group, there are some of you here this morning that have felt like this before. You can remember it, maybe it was recent. Maybe you've just been delivered from being in this place of darkness. Maybe it's happened a long time ago, but it was so strong and it was such a real place that you can still to this day remember being there, but you're in a better place now. And some of us here this morning are like that. We have been in a place of despair and depression. We've been in a place of anguish. We felt like we were in that darkness, but our life is different now. The Lord has brought us out of that darkness and has brought us to a better place. And if that's you here this morning, I pray that you are excited and that you are reminded of how you got from where you were to where you are now. And there are some of you that have already quit listening this morning. Some of you have already tuned out and are thinking about whatever you have later today because you haven't ever been in this place of feeling hopeless and depressed. You've never been there and you don't think that you'll ever be there. But a word of warning to you, if you're here this morning, and that's you. The people that are in this position, the Israelites in Isaiah chapter 8, your friend who has recently found out that they have cancer, your cousin that just recently got laid off from work, that person that you know from town that has been going to rehab because of an addiction, five years ago they probably didn't think that they were going to be there either. 
When you look at the story of Job in Job chapter 1, he probably didn't see what was coming. When you look at the story of Joseph, he didn't see what was coming either. So I pray this morning that if you're here and you're just not listening because you don't think this applies to you, let me remind you that you don't know God's plans, and tomorrow this text may apply to you more than you ever would have known that it would apply to you. And I pray that for just a few minutes this morning that you would listen to Isaiah chapter 9 that comes right after this. So here's our setting. We've got the people hearing the news that they're going to be conquered. We've got the people that are hungry, that are worried, that are scared, that are depressed. And then we come to Isaiah chapter 9. Look with me in verse 1. It says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former time. He brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. This is good news. This is exciting. For some of you here this morning that are in darkness right now, this is, should be exciting for you to hear. For the people of Israel, this was exciting to hear that the place that they were in wasn't where they were going to stay forever. And if you're here this morning and you've ever been in that place of darkness and you're not there anymore, would you say amen this morning? That's right, because we have been there. But we know that what we read in chapter 9 is just as real as what I just talked about in chapter 8. You know that you were in that place, but God has delivered you. And if you're still there this morning, I pray that you just heard the testimony of all the people that said amen because they were there too, but they're not there anymore. And the promise of this text is that for those of us that find ourselves in that place, we're not going to be there forever. For a captive people who thought that they had no hope, this prophecy, right, not just some writing, not just some, some speaking, Isaiah the prophet, who got divine revelations from God, saying this would have had to have been extremely exciting for them to hear. That what they were going through was only for a time, but then in verse 2, the people who walked in darkness were going to see a great light. That the nation that was being suppressed was going to be multiplied. That the joy was going to be increased to the point of like whenever they had gone through the whole summer and they had worked on their crops and they had worked uh, trying to keep the farm going and they had tried to water and they had weeded and done everything. And at the end of the year when they bring in all the harvest and everything's there and all the work has been worth it, the joy that they had on that day, it says one day they were going to feel that joy about the place that they were emotionally and spiritually as well. It says in verse 3, it was not just like the joy at the harvest, but it was like the gladness that comes when they divide the spoil. When you've been at war or battle and you've been fighting and you don't know how it's going to go and you fear for your life and then all of a sudden it's over and you have won and you've defeated the enemy and all of their things are before you and you're just dividing them up. You get to take this, you get to take this and the battle's over and you've won and you get the spoil. It says one day... Those of us that are walking in darkness are going to be in a place that feels like that. 
that kind of joy and that kind of gladness. Point one this morning. For God's people, the end of darkness and the coming of light is an assurance. For God's people, the end of darkness and the coming of light is an assurance. And we see that in the way that this text is written. We've seen this in prophecies together before. But if you look at the way that it's written, and if you didn't know any better, when you read Isaiah chapter 9, you would think that what it's talking about has already happened. Because that's the way it's written. It's written in the past tense. It says that the people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. But this wasn't something that had already happened. This was something that was going to happen a long time from then. So why is it written that way? Because they were assured that it was going to happen. It was such a sure thing that even though it hadn't happened, Isaiah was told to prophesy about it like it had already happened. That's exciting. For people that didn't think hope and help was ever going to come, that is exciting. Now, for those of you that are in that first group this morning, I don't know what it's like for you even this moment. As you got up this morning and had to drag yourself out of bed because you didn't want to get out of bed and you didn't want to come here. And I know that there are some here that felt that way. And you come in and, and you've tried to put the smile on your face and you've tried to act like everything was okay. I don't know what that's like. I don't know how hard that must have been for you this morning. But I do want to take just a moment before we see the last point. And I want to tell you that it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to act like everything's okay when everything's not okay. We are your family. And we are your brothers and sisters. And if you're hurting, it's okay to tell us you're hurting. If you don't feel well, it's okay to come in and not put a fake smile on your face, but to ask for prayer and let somebody mourn with you. If that's where you are this morning, that's okay. Because most of us have been there before, and we know what that feels like. Let us support you. Let us know that you need this sort of help, because we know that the hurt is real, and the pain is real, and the darkness is real. Isaiah doesn't in any way allude to the darkness that they felt like they were in, to it being a myth. No, he says the darkness was real, but the light that was coming was real as well. And if you're in that dark place, I understand that it's real, and that's okay. And you don't have to act like it's not. But I do want you to hear this in verses 2 and 3 again. Just listen to what you have to look forward to. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, or what we would call the shadow of death, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. These things are promised. The point, the real main point of the text this morning is this, that for those that are hurting, there is hope. For everybody that's hurting, whether it's emotional or spiritual or physical, no matter how you are hurting, there is hope. There is real, true, genuine hope. Hope, and I want to show you that hope. I want to show it to you in text this morning. 
If you look in verse 1, it, Isaiah names a couple of specific places. He says, In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Now, why did he name these specific places? Because in Israel, these are places that are in the far north. So the places that are in the far north that are closer to the Assyrian border, whenever Assyria comes in, guess who's going to get the brunt of the things that are coming? Those places that are in the far north. Places like Zebulun and Naphtali. These areas would have gotten hit the hardest. They would have been controlled the hardest uh, and most harshly by the Assyrians. These areas were the ones that we would refer to as being in the deep darkness or in the shadow of the valley of death. That's where these places were. But then if you have a Bible and have just a moment, turn to Matthew chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. We have this text for you. But in Matthew chapter 4, I want you to listen to the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, beginning in verse 13 of Matthew 4. It says, And now leaving Nazareth, he, speaking about Jesus, went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. How exciting. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. So what was the light? What was the light that was coming? They may not have understood this as Isaiah prophesies about it in chapters 8 and 9, but what we see in Matthew is this truth, that the light that is coming wasn't just freedom from Assyria. The light that was coming wasn't just that they were going to have all the food that they wanted. The light that was coming was named Jesus. And that's point two this morning. The only other point I have for you this morning. Point two, Jesus is the light and Jesus is the hope for the hurt. What was it that brought hope to the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali? It was Jesus. He went there. And now next week we're going to talk about the hope that Jesus brings. We're going to look to see how he brought hope to the, the Israelite people. We're going to look and see how he offers hope to us. We're going to look at uh, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the, the wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace. We're going to look at these things. We're going to see what that means in our life. We're going to see him as the one that, that makes war stop and the one that shoulders our burdens and the one that breaks the rod of the oppressor. We're going to see how he is those things. But I'll give you a hint this morning. I'll give you some insight into next week in case you can't be with us. In Matthew chapter 4, there was one other verse there, verse 17, and it gives us the truth of how he's the hope. It says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus doesn't come and just offer to give a little bit of food to people that are hungry and then leave and give them nothing else. To give a little bit of hope to people that are distressed and then give them nothing else. Jesus doesn't come and say, I want to make your Sunday better, I want to make your Tuesday better, and nothing else. No, Jesus comes and says, I have the ability to offer to you the kingdom of heaven, sonship and daughtership of God, reconciliation to the God that we have been separated from eternal life he offers us 
these things. That's what he took to Zebulun. That's what he took to Naphtali. Not just, not just freedom from Assyria, but freedom from sin. And eternal life and joy and freedom from worry and peace. He brings all of these things. And they're all found in one place and one place only. And that place is Jesus Christ. That person is Jesus Christ. So if you're here this morning and you're in group one, as we try and apply this text to end this morning, as we try and say, all right, so, so I've heard how I identify with this text. I've heard the teaching of this text, but now how do I apply this? If you're here today and you are hurting, the simple truth is this, there is hope. There is hope. There's hope for your freedom from sin. There's hope that you can be removed from the depression that you feel. There's hope for healing physically and emotionally. But that hope is found in Jesus Christ. You're not going to find it anywhere else. You're not going to find it in some medicine alone. You're not going to find it in some self-medication alone. You're not going to find it in a relationship with some person. Sometimes that's what we think. If I can find the right person, then all this will go away. It's not going to be if you get a new job. You're not going to find the hope in the things of this world. You're only going to find the hope in Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you're hurting and you don't know him, that's where you need to start. Now, I'm not telling you that he won't use medicine or that he won't use people or that he won't, he won't help you find a job. I'm not telling you those things, but I'm telling you that those things without him aren't going to, find the, aren't going to bring you the hope that you're wanting. They're not going to bring you the healing that you're wanting. If you're here today and you know Christ and you're still hurting, then maybe we need to stop looking wherever you're looking to find help and look to Christ. Because he is the light. He is the hope. If you're here today and you're in that second group, that group that used to be in the darkness but now has been delivered from the darkness, I pray that this is what you're reminded of in this text today. That your cancer was not healed, that your joy was not brought back, that your life was not made meaningful, that your disease was not removed, that your chain of habitual sin was not broken that your broken heart wasn't mended, that your mind was not restored by some man or some woman or some medicine or some doctor, but if you were healed from any of those things, you were healed by Jesus Christ. I don't know what he used to get you from where you were to where you are today, but he's the one that did it, and he's the one that deserves the glory. And without him, you would still be wherever you were. Brothers and sisters, if you have been delivered by Christ from there to here, you need to thank him. You need to be humble to realize that it wasn't because you're stronger than everybody else. You need to be reminded today that it's not about you, it's about Him. And He has delivered you, and He deserves your praise. And I also pray that you would have the decency to share your story with others so that when their spouse leaves them or their loved one dies or they get that diagnosis from the doctor, that they could remember your story and remember that once you were there and Christ has delivered you from that and they would have hope as they look to the light as well. But if you're in that last group and you weren't listening earlier because you felt like this didn't apply to you, I pray that you see today that almost none of us have in our five-year plan to have some terrible crippling disease to need some sort of surgery. That almost none of us have in our long-range plan 
that our loved ones are going to leave us or that we are going to be addicted to something that we can't break the chain of or that we're going to be in a place that we can't find our way out of. But many have been there. I hope you are reminded this morning of the story of Job and the story of Joseph. I hope you remember this morning that if Jesus Christ himself sweated drops of blood and died abandoned on a cross, if 11 of the 12 disciples were murdered because of their faith, that you might very well tomorrow find yourself in a place of darkness that you didn't ever expect to be, and that this truth will be so meaningful to you on that day that you need to have this in your pocket for when it comes. That you'll remember that there is still hope. That God has not abandoned you. That it's not that He doesn't love you, it's just that you don't understand the whole plan of what's going on and that you would still look to Him, and that you would still see that He's the light and that He's the hope. This morning I'm going to invite you to stand, and if you need me to answer some questions about how Jesus can be the hope, before next week, you can't wait till next week, you want to know now, come and ask. I would love to talk to you about it. If you're here this morning, and you know that you've been delivered and for too long you have thought that it was yourself or somebody around you that delivered you from the place that you used to be, I pray that you realize today that it was Jesus Christ that delivered you and that you would be thankful to Him. And if you're here today and for too long you've been arrogant and thought that you wouldn't ever be like those people in a place of darkness, that you'd be reminded that it's not always your decision, but that if you're there one day, that Christ will still be with you and he'll still be the light that you need. I'm going to ask you to pray where you are, pray at these altars, pray with me to sing, to do what the Lord leads you to as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of invitation.